Hey, podcasters, it's me, Clive Holland, from the Clive Holland Show on Fixed Radio. Now, I would love you to tune in and catch me doing my thing, Monday through Thursday, 2 till 4 p.m., on the planet's only radio station for builders, that is, Fixed Radio. Now, on this week's podcast, it was yet another packed one on the Clive Fallen Show. Uh, we were talking uh, trade stereotypes with TV building legend Tommy Walsh. I also went on to talk about the end of Red Diesel with Tim Stimson from Trade Plant Hire, as well as discussing spotting cowboy builders with trading standards. National Awkward Moments Day got some hilarious stories along the way too. All in all then, another packed, blooming podcast. Enjoy. The Clive Holland Show with Tradeify, the job management software to help get your business on track. Make a life, not just a living. Try the free 14-day trial. Download the Tradeify app today. You're listening to Clive Holland on Fix Radio, the builder's radio station. And today we're talking stereotypes. And the reason for that is, um, lately... Uh, over the last two years, anyway, during lockdown, there's been an increase in cowboy builders, sadly, uh, and cowboy fencers over the last couple of months as well. Um, and what I want to discuss here is, is stereotypes in our industry causing us problems? And do we get treated differently because of it? Whether it be clients or customers not wanting to leave you alone in the house or assuming you always want to brew or uh, they can make our work pretty uncomfortable at times. Uh, now, joining us to discuss the issue is a man who knows a thing or two about the industry, having worked in it for many years, both on and off our screens. Uh, the king of TV builders, best known for the hit show Ground Force. And more recently, I couldn't list everything he's done anyway. Uh, clean it, fix it. Uh, and of course, he's now a regular presenter on Homes Under the Hammer on the BBC. Uh, and a man who, when he talks, we listen. Well, I do, that's for sure. It's the national treasure and the new granddad himself on the block that is Tommy Walsh. Tommy, how are you, sir? Good morning, Clive. Thanks very much for that wonderful introduction, full of praise and... It's well-deserved, son. Well-deserved. I'll tell you what, I actually, I actually watch Homes Under the Hammer now when you're on. It's just, it's just added that um, gravitas, if you know what I mean, to the industry, which is brilliant. Um, now that you've been in the industry for a while, you must have seen some examples along the way of stereotyping. Obviously, when you walk on their doorstep and go through the threshold, you, you know, they trust you immediately. But you must have seen it in other avenues. Yeah, I think, I think to be quite honest, um, can understand why it exists, really, because... Uh, especially in more recent times, because we've had the pressures of uh, of uh, the pandemic and that, um, you can see that people are going to be a bit sceptical and see themselves as potential victims uh, without having any good reason, except that the industry itself hasn't got a great press uh, reputation for you know for performing honestly all the time. It seems that um, because building costs are going up so much and it's hard to find a good builder because um, if you do find one, you're not going to get him for a while because he's going to be busy. What you have to be careful of is for someone who can start tomorrow, you've got to question whether that's a good move because uh, if they were any good, they'd be very, very busy. And uh, and I think that's why people got, have got to become a bit cynical, you know, and that's just the way it is. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I was part of that problem, you might say, when I was doing a programme on Cowboy Builders, but I always made sure that I pointed out that 99.9% .9 of our industry are fantastic. It was just a few that were spoiling it for everyone else. Now, as yeah, the years... Oppor of... Opportunists, you know. Um, yeah. And, and they just... Uh, some It's the makeup of the person. They're just uh, not very nice. And, and I think a lot of customers... Um, are a bit more vulnerable than uh, than they used to be because most work used to be uh, um, recommendation driven, but now it's uh, it's it's with the advent of people going online and all the different um, trade bodies that are there that people just um, are a little bit more susceptible. I think. Yeah. Now, as, as the years have gone on, apart from these last couple of years where we've seen this rise. Have you actually seen it improve, do you think? Do you think people are better now as when they go over the threshold of people's properties that they are more well presented? I, I never I used to say this as well. Don't worry too much if a builder turns up and he's got a few mortar snots on him. Or I wouldn't want him to do that. You know, and I wouldn't want to, the crack of his backside sticking out of his trousers. But <laughs> I, I'm more bothered about what he can do with his hands and the quality of his work or her work. Yeah, well, I've always thought a good way to um, to get an idea when someone turns up to do some work, have a look at their toolkit. Okay. See what their what their toolkit and make sure that <clears throat> you know chisels are all sharp and they're properly looked after. All the tools that, that they've got are clean and they're good quality, uh, good quality power tools, good quality hand tools, <clears throat> and that gives you sometimes that can give you an insight into the potential quality of the work that's going to be done for you. Yeah. Um, but it's always best, always best to uh, to proceed on recommendations. Do you think that the industry stereotypes are generally fair or, or not? I mean, like I say, majority of the guys are, are fantastic. It's just that, you know, people perceive us because of what's gone on before. Yeah, I think as well we have a we have an issue now. When I was trading, uh, all my working all my working life, I never asked for money up front. <clears throat> I would I wouldn't want paying until after at least the first week I've been working to have a down payment or whatever. That's that's what I, that's how I always work. Now you have a, a society where it's expected to for individuals to pay a deposit. Um, a percentage of the of the job before anything gets done, and I think that um, if it were me, I wanted to advise people. I would say rather than give someone a deposit, why don't you buy some of the materials? If they give you the list of materials, you buy some of the materials, and at least then that money you know exactly what's happened to it. It's not going to waste. And then of course, if you're supplying the materials. They can do the work because they've got the materials. They just have to provide the labour uh, for a week or two at least. Uh, anyone should be able to do that. And then you know that your money is not going to go walkabout. Exactly. I think, you know, you're you're singing off the same cheese as me because I always say that if you were to go into a restaurant and the and the hotel and the, and the manager came up to you or the owner came up to you and said, will you pay for your meal before you've ate it? Everybody's going <laughs> to say no. And, and I just think that that is right. Um, staged payments, I think, is important. But I like that idea. I like that idea even better to actually put the money to the materials and that way at least you know that those materials are on your site. If anything goes wrong, you've actually got them. Uh, I, I like yeah. that idea a lot. I think mean, that's a brilliant yeah, idea. 
it tends to work uh, because then you you don't have a dispute over ownership because you've got the receipt, you paid for it, so it's yours. It's not it's not the builder who's coming to your to your properties. Whereas if he was coming with materials that he purchased, you number one, you don't know how much he pays for them. Plus the fact if you buy them and shop around, you can get the discount and the ten or twenty percent off that the contractor is going to get by him going and getting the materials. It's an ex- expected and understood profit margin on getting the materials, uh, paying for them and bringing them to the job. But you can avoid some of the unnecessary worrying by protecting yourself by getting the materials yourself. Exactly. And I think it'll also prevent that, uh, you know, in a way, or reduce bad tradespeople giving us all a bad name, I think. That is that. That's well, the thing. I think I, I think it would certainly help. That's for sure. And what you need is lots of different factors that are going to help. Recommendation um, from people that you know, uh, checking out the work before you go. And people should do that because you know if you're having an extension done or a new kitchen or something, you're going to spend a considerable uh, amount of money. And so you mustn't do that willy nilly. You must put all the proper protection in place as be- the best way you can anyway to reduce the potential possibility of of, um, of your money going walkabout indeed like you say i don't think we're ever going to get rid of it but um, there's wise words from the the tommy walsh the, uh, the our national treasure everybody loves you you know that uh <laughs> and we do here on fixed radio that's for sure listen uh, we really appreciate your time tommy and hopefully we'll have a chat again in the very near future. Enjoy well, it's always the- lovely to talk to you, Clive, anyway. It's really, you know, and, and I, I like the fact that you're on a campaign to try and to reduce or eradicate some of this uh, this rogue behaviour. Indeed. Uh, you know, we're doing it with, with tool theft and everything else, you know. You, you might even see me on your TV screens this week talking, uh, talking about that as well. Um, well, not give me eye out here. All right, mate. Hey, listen, it's always great talking to you. Uh, good luck with everything going forward. I know you're a busy man, uh, and there's nothing better well, than all. Home's under the hammer tomorrow. Oh, are you? Yeah. Southwest London, and then Ipswich the day after. Yeah. So, oh. yeah, very busy this week. Well, I love seeing you on there, mate. I'm telling you now. <laughs> uh, thanks again, mate, for being on the show, and uh, we'll talk again in the near future. Cheers, mate. Good luck, Clive. Fix Radio. Bish, bash, bosh. Now, on the line right now, a really good friend of the show is Dave Finnegan, a.k.a. Elwood Enterprises. Uh, Dave, always good to have you on the show. Have you ever been in that situation where you've thought, uh, you've felt a little bit uncomfortable at times, not because of you, but because of how people perceive us? Um, I think definitely it's something that we struggle against constantly with the industry. Um, I think on the whole, people's perception of builders isn't a great one. Um, and that's why I try and do what I can to change their opinion, bring the reputation of, of builders in the UK back up to what it should be. Because I think the majority um, are fantastic. I think the majority are genuine, hardworking, honest people who do a great job. Don't probably get enough recognition for it, but it seems like the, the bad ones get the headlines and I think that's wrong. To be fair, 99.9%, I'll go uh, to that sort of level, of our industry are amazing. It's just that you get one or two of these bad apples that, that really spoil it. Uh, but what you're saying is you're doing your best to try and turn that around. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's something that, you know, when I went into business myself, even back when I was just me on my own working and I've continued it through now, now that I've got a team, things like being presentable, turning up clean and tidy, um, punctuality, I think it's massive, um, you know, turning up in branded uniform with your logo on your chest and not looking like a, a scruff in a pair of tracksuit bottoms when you get there. I think all these things can give the customer a little bit of faith in you, a little bit of confidence that they know they're not getting a ragtag bunch of cowboys turning up. They've got a reputable building company who are there, presentable, on time. When they're there, you know, when when they're supposed to be there, they're there. They're not disappearing at two o'clock every day. And I think, yeah, I mean, we, we do have to accept a, a lot of level of trust in what we do. You know, quite often customers are leaving you there in their home um, so it's about being respectful of that, making sure that areas are kept clean and tidy, you know, sticking to the areas that you're working with. And I think it's all just about being, you know, being being a good guy, being being trustworthy and imagining how you'd want people to be when they're in your home. Then you reflect that when you're in other people's. Yeah. And, and, and again, it's all about reputation and building that reputation. And your reputation goes well before you. Uh, so it's well, important. That's something that I, that I actually spend a lot of time and effort to do. You know, I started off with the, you know, like the recommended uh, websites where, you know, people leave your reviews and work on that basis. And then obviously as I've, you know, built my client base and don't have to rely on those sites and stuff anymore and we're working purely on, you know, word of mouth. Obviously, I, you know, I spend a lot of time on social media, um, filming stuff, day-to-day stuff, putting up posts. And what that does is it gives people a transparency because it almost feels like they can get to know you. They can get to know the team before you do, before you do the work on their house. You can, they can see that you're where you're supposed to be because I'm on, I'm on Instagram every morning telling people what jobs we're working on um, that day and where the team are. And they can sort of see that they're not, they're not hiring, you know, the, the stereotype cowboy builders. They're hiring people that are, you know, turning up professionally. And not only that, but we're, you know, we're quite confident in what we're doing and confident that we are not your stereotype, that we're willing to film everything all day and put up pictures and posts and all that. So it gives people that air of confidence and makes it, you know, transparent that that um that we're gonna do a good job. Yeah. I don't think we're ever gonna lose the, the, the tag, you know, because it's always gonna be knocking around somewhere along the line. I don't think we're ever gonna get rid of the cowboys, but whilst you're doing that you're you're spearheading and people like you are spearheading that way, um it will help no end. Uh, and uh, you know that's uh, some great insight uh, there, Dave. As ever, um, and as I'm always going to ask you the question: Where are you today? What are you up to? Well, actually, I'm sat in front of the computer at the moment. I worked all weekend, so I'm catching <laughs> up on a bit of paperwork at the moment. Yeah, got to be done. Um, got to be done, son. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, the guys are the guys are just finishing off a lovely big uh, tiled floor on a knock for extension that we're doing. The kitchen's being delivered tomorrow, so. Uh, yeah, the guys are finishing the last cuts and grouting that up today on their hands and knees while I race around uh, after I've done a bit of paperwork. Uh, good lad. Anyway, listen, keep up the good work. Uh, keep flying the flag for us all. And uh, and people like you we are desperately needed in our industry. Uh, thanks once again for sparing the time with us, uh, Dave. It really is important to us. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of the day. Hope it's not too heavy paperwork-wise. And we'll catch up again soon. Always a pleasure, mate. Thanks very much. Clive Holland on Fix Radio. Uh, on the line, we've got fantastic friend of the show, Bradley Jones, a.k.a. at London Electrician. Uh, Bradley, 
uh, thanks first of all for coming on the show again, sparing some time for us. We really do appreciate it. But have you ever been in a situation like that where the stereotype has gone before you, or before they've known you? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had uh, I had one this week, like uh, sorry, last week. Um, I, I was working for for a, for a bloke, and, and his mum and dad were ninety two and ninety four years old. And uh, I've turned up to, to, to do a job there and I really felt uncomfortable all day long just because of the stereotype of you hear all of, you know, hear about tradespeople sort of taking things from, from the elderly and bits and pieces. And, and when I was there on my own with, with with two old and vulnerable people sort of didn't really know what I was doing there, it, it made me feel uncomfortable all day, if, if that makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. It, it's annoying as well, in a way, because, as I say, because of the high percentage of really great people in our industry, they, they, that just tiny percentage is, is is veering people off course and making them feel that we're all not trusted, you know, uh, and, and not to trust uh, anyone. You know, never leave them at home on their own just in case, you know, they bag the family silver or you know, something goes missing or you're just going to sit on your backside and drink tea all day, adding up the pounds. It just isn't the way. Because you guys, for a start, are busy and you want to get on to your next job anyway. So, you know, it, as I say, it's just one or two of the real baddies that are spoiling it. Well, that's that's why last Wednesday, because of those stereotypes, Clive, I, I felt really uncomfortable the whole day because the, the, the two old and vulnerable people there, you know, they had no idea that I was there. You know, they they didn't really understand sort of why I was there or, or what I was doing for their son at the, at the job, and you, you know, people of that age, you know, they they, they may say something. Let's let's where I'm on my own, where usually I would be with someone else. If, if if they was to say something, for example, you know, they've lost something or whatever, straight away the finger would be pointed at me, even though you know it isn't me because they don't know what's going on. Exactly, got no idea. Well, what do you think, though? I mean, let's let's turn the, let's turn the, turn it on the other side of the coin and say that I would, I would I'm I'm guessing that the majority of your customers are are fine and comfortable with you, and your personality obviously wins them over as well. So, what is the technique that you use that keeps you, you know, uppermost in their mind as being trust a trusting tradesperson? Well, with a thing is, Clive, I run a, a credible company. You know, we're, we're a VAT registered company. You know, if people, you know, want to deal with us, they can they can see what our other customers say. You know, they can go on Google and they can see our feedback and, and what other people say about us. They know we're a credible business. And, you know, at the end of the day, if someone doesn't trust me, then they, then, then they don't trust me, you know. Um, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit there and beg someone to, to trust me. But the, most of the people that, you know, I do business with, you know, they're, they, they trust you and they appreciate you. And a lot of our work comes from, you know, word of mouth and, and, and recommendations from people. And straight away, I think you've won that, that person's trust as soon as someone else has, has, has put a good word in for you. Indeed. Um, so it, it's, sort of, it's, very, it's, it's, it's rare these days that I have to make someone trust me. I just be myself and, 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 that, and that's it. Um, I don't think people should waste too much time on, really trying hard to make someone else trust them they're either to trust you or they're not yeah exactly i think i was just going to say that that it can be exhausting that if you've got every gig you go to you've got i mean everybody has to earn trust i get that but if you're having to do it on a daily basis blimey it would be so exhausting there's, there's no two ways about it for I me think, i think you're doing i think the thing is if, if you're doing that day in day out and you're having to prove your trust as a tradesman to someone else you know, day in, day out, I think you're doing something wrong. 
um, because it's really hard to explain. I mean, you know, you turn up in, in a signed written van, you know, you look the part, you know, you come across professional, you, you know, you, you, you provide a customer with a quote on time. I think they look at you as that, that, straight, straight away you get their trust. But, you know, if you're going to turn up with, you know, follow the, the, the normal stereotype of, of, of some of these people that you're talking about, it's, that's, that's maybe why, where some people are going wrong. Uh, mate, listen. Um, we re- as I say, we always appreciate you, you sparing the time for us. We really do appreciate you here at Fix Radio. Um, but I always ask you this question: Where are you today, my friend? And what are you up to? We are uh, we're in Canning Town today, guys, um, and we're doing some uh, second fits of a kitchen. Waiting for the kitchen fitter to turn up. He didn't bother turning up till sort of you know ten o'clock. So <laughs> been waiting about room for two hours. But don't worry, Clive. I'll, I'll leave all my messages to clean up. <laughs> And that's the stereotype I'll leave you with. Hey, hey, mate, I'm I was just going to say exactly that. Brilliant. What a way <laughs> Stop, to leave man. us. Uh, Stop, <laughs> Bradley, thank you so much, mate. And please enjoy the rest of your day. And I hope that kitchen fitter pulls his finger out. The Clive Holland Show on Fix Radio. You're listening to Clive Holland on The Clive Holland Show on Fix Radio. And our talk topic today is this. If it all comes to pass, the 1st of April 2022 heralds the end for red diesel in construction. How reliant on it are you? What impact, if any, will this have on your business? And should the government pause their actions for at least 12 months under the current situation? On the line right now, good friend of the show, ex-England rugby international Tim Stimson, now from Trade Plant Hire. Uh, Tim, welcome to the Clive Holland Show. Brilliant to be back, Clive. Uh, Mate, listen, um, you deal in now, you know, trade plant and machinery and the higher of, etc. How will the end of red diesel and the fuel subsidies drive a change in your industry? Well, it's not just about our industry, is it? It's not just about construction, it's about the world. But what's going to happen is all of a sudden, you know, you're going to have to pay more money for your fuel in one sense. Um, the government said in 2019, didn't they, they passed laws to say they were going to stop global emissions by 2050. Um, so we've got to bring down all car, you know, all the carbon gases. Um, Red diesel, it's used in everything that's off-road, isn't it? You know, power, bulldozers, cranes, yep. um, stuff like that. And, it, you know, it's, it's about 15% of the diesel that's used in the UK, but it's also responsible for about 14 million tonnes of carbon dioxide. So what what happens really, the stockists will pass on the, 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 the cost of the fuel back to the user. So that's really what's going to happen is, you know, the bills are going to go up in one sense. Yeah. But I'm also, I'm a bit of an environmentalist. Um, so... I actually think we all have to do our bit. And by bringing in changes, yeah, it makes things a bit more expensive, but then we can start pushing for innovation. Um, and I also know that innovation is out there. And unless you, you charge people for it, they're not going to do it. Yeah, I'm just thinking with the situation ongoing at the minute, with the fuel prices going through the roof, whether it would be wise so that people can get themselves organised in terms of... Um, you know, biodiesels and that sort of thing. And if you think about it, when you're using red diesel, when you've got all your subsidies off, I mean, 11.1 pence uh, a litre, 11.14 pence a litre to be exact, and then 57.95 pence a litre for the white diesel when you've taken all your subsidies off. Um, so it, just just looking at it like this, uh, £20.9 billion was made on fuel duty last year up to April. So uh, all I'm thinking of is that 
if you consider the construction industry was asked to continue working throughout the uh, COVID and pand the whole pandemic couple of years, right, when everybody wasn't, um, and then all of a sudden the, the government are targeting, first of all, construction. Yes, it's going to go elsewhere. I, I realise that. But it's almost like a kick in the teeth, surely, do you think? I do, and I know who's listening to the radio as well. You know, this is about construction, and I'd much rather the government gave incentives to drive, you know, efficiency than just tax people. I think that's really indiscriminate, but that's that's what they're doing. Um, so, yeah, I, I've also got this awareness of all the fires and the floods and how little time we've got to save the planet. Um, so we need action to be taken. Could it be done better? Could it be done with cutting tax and VAT on environmental products? And, you know, should they be paying for the additives themselves? I wish they would. I wish I wish the government would um, would step up and make things make things possible. But in the short term, they get, the tax is coming in and we're going to have to react to it. Yeah, but they're going to have to spend that. I mean, they're, they're saying that, you know, some of it's going on roads. Well, I ain't seen it going on roads. Um, and then when you consider if you if this is true, that according to Boris, when Brexit was happening, uh, we were saving uh, 350 million a week going into Europe. So therefore, that equates to 18 billion, 200 million a year. So again, this could all, you know, I'm not saying it's taken away from the NHS, but where is it going at the minute? Um, we're talking about the hydro-treated vegetable oil, the biodiesels and that sort of thing. I still don't think that is the answer at this stage. But are your customers asking you already for those machines in readiness for, you know, getting rid of diesel altogether? No, the truth is, mate, no one's massively taking diesel cars and vehicles off the road, are they? They're going to be here for, for a while. Um, but we, and, and the customers are going to have to pay uh, at, at a time when... You're quite rightly, you should be saying we should be driving, you know, investment into the economy. But um, that, that's that's you know, I, I have issues, mate. I mean, I'd have to fact check and proof check everything that comes out of Boris's mouth and see whether it's actually true. The, the facts are, the earth is very, very quickly becoming more and more dangerous place to live. We're not going to have the food supplies. We're not going to have the safe places by turning a blind eye to this sort of thing you know on a political stage look what's happening in the ukraine so we have to step up um we have to do our bit but i just wish our government would support hard-working people to do it as opposed to tax them when you look at the plant hire association the construction plant hire association they're asking for a rethink on red diesel at the minute um for you know super deduction allowances etc but how can the plant and tool manufacturers do more to make green alternatives available? Because I'm not too sure they are. And there's no way in the world you're going to get a lot of the really big plant to work off electric. And not unless you're going to keep it plugged in uh, all the time, you know, while it's operating. Yeah. And that's just not happening. Now, people like JCB investing massively in, in hydrogen power and these sort of things, they're there in the future, but they're not there now. So the reality is we're going to have to keep on working with the machines we've got so is it right that you're taxing you know at a time when when margins are shot to pieces probably not but then i'd rather you were incentivizing you know taking off tax in other areas and looking at a business and saying to a business if you're working holistically to reduce your carbon footprint if you are doing everything you possibly can to you know to save the planet um we should be incentivizing that as opposed to just picking on you know spot things like like red diesel
but uh, yeah, I, I, don't have I, an, I, I don't have an answer, mate. It, it, it's really frustrating because I've, I'm, I'm an environmentalist. I know there's a lot of things out there. There's things like there's, there's fuel additives that cost you a penny but get you four p's worth of value. Why aren't the government banging on about that? Why aren't they sponsoring that, making it mandatory that that goes into every 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 diesel and every petrol engine in the country? That's what they could be doing. But in the meantime, they're just saying, you know what, we've got to reduce our carbon footprint, which we do. And they're making a you know a shot at an off-road red diesel. In usual case for government, so too much hot air, in my opinion. Uh, Tim, I do realise you're caught between a rock and a hard place. We all should be environmentalists anyway. We all want a better planet, that's for sure. Uh, on this occasion, I, I was just playing devil's advocate, really, to say, you know, we could do with another year's grace before, so it allows people to get all their systems in place. Uh, Tim, always great talking to you, my friend. Where are you today? What are you up to before you go? Well, I'm, I'm helping small businesses become net zero. <laughs> so I have my two hats. One's a trade plant hire, which is, you know, that's a great way of making the cost of your hire equipment cheaper by making that more efficient. So that's not just about, you know, taxation. That's about making sure you get the right price. But over with, I work for a business called Zella, Z-E-L-L-A-R. And they really are putting everything on a plate for any small business that wants to take advantage of, of, of going towards net zero. So that's what I'll be doing and, um, you know, doing whatever I can. I must have a shout out for the, all the people that have raised money for the Ukraine as well, mate. I was down at Twickenham, raffled off some of my kit and just some old kit from the loft went for, went, went for about 15 grand on Saturday. So wow. there are some cracking people, you know, that's yes. a guy called, guy called Michael, you know, MC structures, just put his hand in his pocket straight away. So I've, I've got to say there are some amazing people out there that, that step up and take responsibility. And I'm, I'm really proud of them. Hey, we big up to you and big up to all those people as well that dug deep. Uh, fantastic cause as well. Uh, Tim, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day and we'll chat again soon, I'm sure. Yeah, thanks very much. Fix Radio, made for the trade. On the line right now, we have another good friend of the show, Lloyd Peckham, a.k.a. Bearded Excavation UK. And that very word, excavation, Lloyd, uh, can you give us an idea of how much the removal of red diesel subsidies will cost your business, for instance? Have you worked it out yet? Well... Obviously, I don't, I don't have my own business, but I work for another company called Joyce. Um, but I think it's going to hit them majorly. Um, and I just think that the cost of everything is going to go up and it's going to increase increase the housing prices as well because, obviously, they have to calculate how much diesel they're going to use into a price of a job. I think it's going to push everything else up with it. Now, have you spoken with the bosses and have they said, you know, they're looking for an alternative? We already use an alternative. It's called GTL, which is gas to liquid, but that was more expensive than red anyway, but it was more economical. So it was more expensive. So at the minute, your bosses get the red diesel 11.14 pence a litre. Uh, the, the white diesel, when all subsidies are off, is 57.95 pence a litre currently. So yeah, do yeah. you know what that costs a litre? I don't suppose you do. I'm putting you on the spot, really. I, but... think, it, I, think, I, I think it's about 30p more a litre than red. OK, about so 20, you're not a million maybe, miles away. Maybe 25, away. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, not a million miles away. But um, I just also think as well, if we're all going to be switching to white, I think there's going to be so much diesel theft on jobs as well. I, I don't see how you're going to keep it under lock and key. Oh, that's a good point. That is a good point. And see, the thing is, how can the plant and the tool manufacturers, though, do more to make these green alternatives available 
to you guys. And and there's no way they're going to turn that around in a year, even if we do pause no, it for 12 months. Not at all. I mean, even if they do pause it for 12 months, I don't think it's going to make a daft, massive difference, if I'm personally honest. Um, I mean, we're sort of... A lot of companies are running their machines on eco mode now, and then obviously when you have your tea, you turn it off. You're not sat there with it on idle, burning diesel. Um, and a lot of our machines are running on eco mode at the minute as well, just to try and keep the cost of fuel down. But... Well, keep the cost of fuel down, and all, and also in the back of your mind, we all want to, we all want to, you know, help the planet, you know, for, from from what's going on at the minute. If we can believe everything that's being said, um, but but. But do you see do you see it having a, such a big impact on companies that could, some of them could actually go bust? Yeah, I think it's going to cripple some companies, especially if the rate the season's going up the price as well. I think a lot of companies will end up going bust and liquidating and stuff like that. But I just think I, it's going to it's not just the cost of diesel it's going to affect. It's going to be everything because it's going to put the price of everything else up. So listen, you've got your machine switched off at the minute. You're having a cup of tea, I gather. Um, yeah. Where, yeah. Tell us whereabouts you are in the world and what you're up to. Uh, I'm working in Southport, which is just south of Horsham, um, in West Sussex, and I'm just putting a car park and that in for some allotments at the minute. Just putting a car park in. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's it. A, <laughs> if only it was just that. Uh, Lloyd, yeah, listen. Just that. Really appreciate you coming to talk to us on the Clive Holland Show. Enjoy the rest of your day, and hopefully we'll catch up soon. Yeah, mate. Have a good one. Clive Holland on Fix Radio. You're listening to Clive Holland on the Clive Holland Show on Fix Radio, and today it's uh, time for good versus evil. Will we ever rid the country of cowboy builders? What do you think has to happen? Do we need a good and bad register for all to see? Um, have you ever worked alongside someone whose standards of work were poor? If so, what did you do about it? Or have you ever had to pick up the pieces of a cowboy builder? Uh, now, somebody who knows a lot about what we're talking about today is Catherine Hart. Uh, she's the lead officer for Doorstep Crime for CTSI, that's the Chartered Trading Standards Institute. Catherine, it's great to have you back on the show, by the way. How are you? And good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks very much for asking me. Uh, now then, can you give our listeners an idea of the scale of the problem with cowboy builders currently? Well, I think over the last couple of years, there has been so many challenges. What with COVID, Brexit, isolation, furlough, um, never mind the storms that we've been having. So it's all affecting supply and demand. Um, unfortunately, it's affected all our business all over the place. And uh, this is where the rogue traders have been coming out of of, uh, of, of their dark corners and they're quick to jump on the bandwagon of chaos. Yeah, indeed. Certainly with the storms of recent as well, the amount of people who are already saying, oh, well, do you know what, we're fancy rectors all of a sudden, when they've actually got not a clue. Um, would you would you have any examples of this recently or even or even just during the last two years with, with COVID hitting hard? I, I, unfortunately, I can give lots of examples. And, I, and, and you know, I don't, it's, you know, it's horrible that, that, that I am able to do that. So um, during the storms, we had a lot of people sort of doing the, the old knock on the doors a couple of days later saying, by the way, you know, that there's a tree down in the garden. We can do that. We can fix your roof. We can do this uh, X, Y, and Z. And of course, what happens is uh, either the work is just appalling or there's a lot of fly tipping involved, so they might take away some of the garden stuff 
and dump it somewhere else. Um, also, we've seen a lot of people sort of jumping on the back of the bandwagon of uh, where, where people put on face bay, I need a, an electrician, I need this, that and the other. So unfortunately, that's like an advert to rogue traders. Um, and a lot of our really good traders are so busy at the moment, um, to, probably repairing a lot of the work, as you say, from the rogue traders, um, that everybody's really busy. So it's caused a lot of consumer chaos as well. In terms of the people, our good, hardworking, honest tradespeople that are listening today, right, of which there are millions, yeah. right? Of um, course. What advice would you have for those, particularly if they're spotting anything like that that's going on? Because a lot of people, yeah. I mean, I, I always found it hard you know, occasionally to even get people alongside me when we used to doorstep the trade, these so-called cowboys. Um, when you're asking somebody who's just going about their daily job, you know, would you say step in or is there a medium of reporting? Do you know what? We really need people with their, their eyes and ears. And actually, these tradesmen that are out and about and they're doing the proper job, we we. We need them for the information because a lot of the time, vulnerable people or just, in fact, consumers in general don't like to report a rogue trader out of embarrassment or sometimes a little bit, bit fearful of any comeback. So, yes, we really need that information. And it's fantastic that there are so many people out there who are willing to help and, and intervene. So, first of all, I think what we need to re remind ourselves is, you know, that that particular consumer, that that person, you know, that customer, that client, um, might be really really embarrassed about reporting it. So maybe sort of having a gentle word, encouraging them to report it first. I think that would be the best idea. And the lines are through Consumer Advice or Advice Direct Scotland, um, or even the police. You know, it's, it's certainly if there's been frauds involved. What I'd really like though is is if they're on the roof. If they could take a photograph just on their phone and stuff like that, again, that really helps us, particularly before they start repairing the bad work. Again, that provides us really good information and intelligence. So I would love, I would absolutely love a surge of all these reports from these legitimate traders. Please help us. Uh, well, that's fantastic. And I'm sure they would as well, because we're not asking people to just go confront them. But I'm all, all oh, gosh, I'd say yeah. is... All I'd say is, you know, just question them and say, look, you, 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 you're you, not doing that job quite right. Do, do you know what you're doing sort of thing? Do you think that, what about, this has been muted now for some time, that builders should have licences. What do you think to that? Well, it's very difficult for me to actually answer that question because I understand that the last thing people want is more red tape. Unfortunately, there are so many bad traders out there then we need to try and sort of promote the better traders and try and stop the bad you know the, the bad guys and know that there's lots of sort of trusted trader type schemes out 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 there um a lot of them are very very good and run by local authorities but please you know i do understand that a lot of builders and certainly sort of a lot of tradesmen do not want that extra expense. However, we need to try and somehow get rid of these rogue traders. We need to try and put barriers in place and preventative measure, measures to stop them being able to trade. So, it, it, you know, it's sometimes I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place with this one. 
Yeah, indeed, I'm, I'm with you there. But I, I also believe, and this is something I called for when I was doing the programme, was that government, local council websites uh, should have a list of not just preferred because there was always cases of backhanding going on and stuff like that. We don't want that. We want genuine lists of the quality guys. Um, I mean, when you think about it, building inspectors come out to site anyway. Plus, you know, they they can have detailed customer feedback too directly. I don't see why yeah. that should be a problem. That could easily, I believe, be done in today's with today's technology. Well, we always already have sort of schemes such as trusted trade and reference line, where they are already vetted by the local authority. The the builders and it's great for a customer because it gives a customer peace of mind to know that those tradesmen have actually been vetted they are real they're legitimate but not only that the act as an arbitration scheme of things that things sort of fail because we do know you know i live in the real world sometimes there are communication issues between the you know the tradesman and 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 the client we know that people fall out all the time now it's not always to do with bad workmanship it's actually just to do with breakdown of communications and this is where something like a good scheme like that can actually help because let's face it everybody you know the the, tra the tradesperson needs that they're money and uh, and, the, and the client wants their work done so Catherine finally in your experience which is the most common type of cowboy builders is it the opportunistic one-man band chances or is it becoming a little more sinister these days with organized groups as we've seen with tool theft of late well unfortunately road trading has never gone away so it's actually both we, we still see the people that knock on the door that were just in the area for the day but you also see a the, the groups that are operating, which are which are really part of serious and organised crime groups, and obviously we as enforcement agencies really need as much information as we can. So the other thing I mentioned before, we need sort of eyes and ears of legitimate people out and about. If you see something suspicious, just take a phone that you know, to take a photograph of, of that of the van um, and pass it on to to, to law enforcement. You know, it really does help. That might be the tiny bit of the jigsaw puzzle that we're looking for. Will law enforcement have the time though? Because they'll then come to you, will they not? Um, is it not better to, that they could just send it directly to somebody like yourself, an institute like yourself? Well, as to the Trading Standards Institute, we, we are responsible for our members. So it's actually better to report it to the local authority that they're, they're actually working in. Because local authority trading standards have enforcement capacity and the powers, even though we are a little bit sort of stretched at the moment, but we can work with other agencies as well. So whether that will be people like the fly tipping, waste management, um, police, you know, there's lots of different agencies that, were, that may be very interested in some of these sort of rogue traders. Well, Catherine, look, it's really interesting, but really horrible at the same time, because uh, I was hoping that we might be starting to see the end of it. But over the last couple of years, it's been back on the rise again. Uh, but we've really appreciated your input. Good luck with everything going forward. And uh, no doubt we'll speak again in the near future. Thank you very much for putting this message out. So I really appreciate it. Fix Radio. Bish, bash, bosh. On the line right now, he's a big fan's favourite of the show, I'll tell you that now. A TV super royalty and the man who won the very first Big Brother yonks ago in 2000, I think it was. And that is the brilliant Craig Phillips. Craig, how are you, my friend? I'm very well, thank you, Clive. Very well indeed. How's yourself? 
I'm good, mate. I'm good. Uh, now then, I know you're a busy man, so thanks for your time. Um, now, listen, um, how do you think we could potentially stamp out the menace of cowboy builders? Let me tell you for why. It, I thought at one time it was on the decrease and on the decline. But over the last two years, and certainly with the winds we've had lately, we've had a massive increase in rogue fence people, you know, fence installers apparently as well. So is there, is there anything you think we could do? I think as a, as a, as a community, yes, communicating is, is a big thing. You know, there are a number of websites out there that kind of people put tradesmen's advertise on there and the public can put, you know, quotes about themselves, describing their work, etc., so I think that's one way of looking at it. But I think going back to the old-fashioned way as well, just verbal, you know, word of mouth. You know, when I used to run my building company over 30-odd years ago when I started it, it was all about kind of communications in the small communities and just trying to advise, you know, that they can use this builder, we've used them before. And I think that's always my first point of call. Um, but I think overall now as well, you know, the price of materials going up and the delays with materials. I think I spoke to a couple of my um, neighbours in our street and they told me they couldn't get hold of their normal builder who they know and they trust and they've used for a long time. So they turned to finding someone that did, they didn't know. And unfortunately, they wasn't as good and they didn't do as good a job. So now they're waiting for their old builder to come back, but he can't come back for another two or three months and put their work right. And that was Fenton, funny enough. And, uh, do you know what, though? I've always said this, that if, if you're even if you're a good builder, right, and you've done all your research on, says, I can't even make it for another year. Wait. You know, what? what is the rush? I'd, I'd never get it. You know, unless you've got the roof missing, right? I'd, I'd just never get it. Just be patient and you'll get it done. I think the other thing is as well, Craig, do you think that government organisations should be doing more to stop this? You know, because it is a growing problem, but they seem to be hiding. Absolutely, yes, yeah. I mean, they could create a national database, couldn't they? You know, and, and I, I know we have the different departments who can follow up road traders and things and help them in different ways, the Systems Advice Bureau, but I think if they invested something into an overall national website where people could put the good, the bad, the ugly up there and, put, and the people would have a chance to comment, you know, if a customer wasn't happy with their work or their price and what they got, they could put up their version of it and then let the actual builder answer to it publicly and explain their side of it. And if it was kind of unedited, you know, and just put out there like a like a trip advisor type of thing where people could um, put their views on there and their complaints on there. But as long as it's fair and the people have got the chances to argue back, because on the other hand, you know, I spoke to... Uh, many builders before, you know, and they I know them quite well and they've done great jobs and they've had a customer who's kind of got a bit tight for cash and then wants to delay things to not pay their bills, you know, and then it's not fair on the builder. So I do see both sides of it. Um, but I just think, unfortunately, in this industry, we're in the building industry, it is highlighted a lot more than, than any other industry. You know, it was a, the medical injury, the medical profession, and someone was doing uh, particularly a work, you know, and that would get blown out of proportion if they did it wrong. It would be all over the national news. But on our kind of building sides of things, I, I, I don't know if we had that national, what you said, a database of some sort where we could just recognise everybody's work and everyone could fairly put their quotes and comments up on there. Now, you, you also get a situation where I've, I've met many of these guys, I did a programme on it, you know, and the thing is that a lot of them say, I've been in the industry 20 years and whatever, but sometimes it's actually, they, they've sort of got enough um, sort of the knowledge for about a year that's grown 20 years old 
rather than having the experience throughout those 20 years. So how do we convince the older generation of tradespeople in our industry that say have been doing this for let's say 20 years um, and they feel they don't need to be regulated how do we convince them to get on side? Because if you're doing a good job, what's the harm? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think sometimes, you know, people have been in the building industry 20, 30 years and they're a bit stubborn, they're a bit set in their ways and they don't want to change and they kind of think they know it all right. I mean, when I was building my own house, I had a disagreement with two actual firms and one of them was saying to me, we've been doing it like this, Craig, for 25 years. And I said, but although you've been doing it like that for 25 years, that doesn't say it's right just because you've been doing it that way for 25 years and I was arguing out and this this was the the, the incident was was rendering okay so he's had many many years of experience with the typical sand and cement material you know putting on the walls and it lasting for years and years and then you get more newer products coming along you know like your silicon based ones and your lightweight renders and they weren't quite qualified with that they could apply it on the wall very good because he had the techniques but they just didn't quite understand the science behind it and the new modern ways of using it and using different trims and different uh, scrimp materials underneath it, you know, to protect it. And all of a sudden, we were getting cracks in our work, you know, and they were saying, we've done it like this for years, and I was saying, well, it doesn't make it right just because we've done it for years. So I think if everyone could kind of try to update their skills and move with the times with the technology and the new materials and even tools that are out there nowadays to help you kind of... Um, you know, modernise your skills, let's call it. So how much of regulating the industry should you, do you think should fall to fellow builders, right? That I'm not saying that they have to be the police. I'm not saying that at all. But to just give that advice or at least spot it. Yeah, I think, I mean, having an independent kind of body, whether it was organised and paid for by, by the government, I don't know, you know, to kind of, try and regulate builders a little bit more. I don't think it would do, do any harm because if you had, you know, you have got millions of great builders out there, drivers, you know, take a lot of pride and effort in their works and would quite welcome a, a system like that. Um, whether you have to pay a small levy into it to try and subsidise it in some way or not, I don't know. Um, I think other schemes like that have been put in, put in place in the past, but they've been private entities private businesses so they're looking at it more so for the profit as opposed to a, a you know a performance uh, type of industry so i think yeah I, I think most builders would welcome it and kind of come onto it it would probably be your old stubborn ones who are a bit set in their ways who don't want to change with the times who might have a bit of a, a problem with it and not want to jump on board and you see that now where a lot of them guys well my experiences aren't working on the big sites no more because they're not willing to kind of um, get up to, up to date with the new regulations and health and safety, etc. So they're thinking, oh, I'm not bothering with it. It's too much hassle. I'll stick to the local uh, jobs around my, uh, around my community, you know, in people's houses where you don't always have to regulate uh, and be watched over by Clark of the Works or health and safety or anything. Indeed. Now, look, just finally, Craig, um, should we be expecting more from the existing inspection process, for instance, from, you know, we know the score on new builds, a lot of them now, I mean, so many snagging lawyers have, have, have risen up out of this and earning nice money out of it. Um, but do you think we should be expecting um, more from those inspections? Or, or, you know, in particular, when it comes to even the smaller jobs like repair and maintenance work? Um, yeah, I mean, you have your building control. And when people put an app plan an application in, you know, a lot of times they'll have to put a separate 
building regulations application and they'll come out and monitor the work that a trade is doing, but only at certain stages, you know. So maybe, yeah, that could certainly be increased. You know, I heard a lot on, on bigger building sites where building control are coming out and they're only generally looking at five or six houses out of 50, you know, and just kind of spot checking them because they haven't got the time or they haven't got the budget. And for me, that isn't good enough, you know, and that's where you're getting a lot of these big sites that are having lots of snagging issues. And I know it is good for some areas because you'll get snaggers who will spend weeks and months going on there and put the bills in for it. But I think the main trades and the main developers should be kind of held accountable for that, you know, and get it done on a, on a quicker basis. Mate, listen, we really appreciate your time. I'm going to ask you this question, though, before you go. Uh, what are you up to yep. today? You're always up to something. You've got a fantastic <laughs> workshop. Well, I'm not with tools today. I'm with, I'm with the family. Right? We've had a few days away. And we're over in a place called Trofford of Bowling. And it's a little forest somewhere. And that's why my signal's really, really poor. And basically, <laughs> we're just going on a little forest walk. But the kids were picking snails. We found a little bit and pieces. I love <laughs> and it, man. And and all sorts of things we're picking up. It's great. So it's a family oh, day out this week. Hey, listen, enjoy it, mate. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll chat again soon. But thanks for your input. Really important to us, Craig. Always nice to catch up, Clive. All the very best. The Clive Holland Show on Fix Radio. On the line right now, we have a very famous, you love him, you know you do, he's a great friend of the show, it's uh, Jason, a.k.a. Mr. London Plumber. Jason, how the devil are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, thank you, mate. Uh, now, how do you think... Now, let me just let me just fill you in on this, right? That that um, there was a time when the Cowboy Builders Rogue Traders things was on the decrease, but then as soon as the lockdown came... And certainly the wins that we've had lately with the cowboy fencing companies appearing from nowhere. How do you think we can stamp out the menace and the rise of the cowboy builder uh, in all of our trades, really? The only how we can stamp that out is higher levels of qualifications. And higher levels of qualifications will allow people's skill set to be a lot more higher and then not allowing the lower level uh, labor people or the people that ha don't hold the qualifications for a certain period of time or haven't got a, uh, a five years or three and a half years of experience to be able to be going out there and actually tarnishing the industry for what it is. And so you think that's something that they then should have to produce to the customer? To go, you know, I know, I know, documentation could be faked, but if it was linked to a government website where people could go online and find it, then maybe uh, a bit like MOTs for cars, that sort of thing. At least then you, you're confident. It would be, but you, we've got stuff like that which is in line already. But it just becomes a business. Therefore, people pay their way out. Do you get what I mean? Without not saying anybody's names who do that now, they do exactly the same thing. You pay more money. If you do some jumping through the hoops for them, you're, all of a sudden your reviews go up on tops and that's how it goes. And those people have some serious cases against them. It's possible that person doesn't have the qualifications what they need to have because you can't really ask for them as someone like a homeowner. You can only just be polite and happy that someone's coming into your house. I think some customers do ask, do start to ask for that. But not everybody knows. It's like people asking you, have you got public liability insurance when you come to a job in someone's house? Because if it does mess up, they need to be insured so they can get their damages back from you. And yeah. Most customers don't even know what that is anyway. Yeah, liability you know I mean? insurance you're talking about. Yeah, that's public another important... insurance, indemnity insurance on top of that. You know, like when you when you've got public liability insurance and indemnity insurance, some people have got it wrong when they're doing subcontracting because they think 
Why do you need public liability and indemnity? You only need public liability. They're instructing you to do the work anyway, but it's the wording. And this is what we fall short of. But it's like someone saying something to you and not um, explaining the full legalities of it. So in terms of, you know, you, you're obviously a plumber, you work in the in the plumbing industry, gas safe registered, etc. How effective... Mm do you think the gas safe register has been in getting its message out there to consumers? I think the gas safe uh, register, that thing has been more serious because that's always been a height of seriousness because we're at the stage where you can blow people up. So that's not something which should be played lightly. But I think um, they could always keep on drumming on that because remember, people are chasing the money. They're not chasing the safety point of it or the aspect of the customer. And that's the reality. So how effective is gas safe at regulating the work of the heating industry? Has it, has it been really good? Yeah, compared to others, yes, it has. Uh, it's been high, a higher standard because you get more problems with, like, you know, uh, builders and stuff like that and, like, plumbers flooding now and then um, and not really electrical fires happening, but you're not really hearing so much about boilers blowing up and people doing something wrong. So that's one yeah, reason. You would never because double. the standard of that is is quite, it has to be quite high. And luckily, we're in Britain, isn't it? We've got British standards. But at the same time, we've always got people that are willing to take things for a brown paper bag. We know that. Yeah, it's oh, sad, exactly. It's just the reality. Do you know what I mean? Now, have you ever worked alongside somebody once uh, Once upon a time, whether from other mm-hmm. trades maybe, not necessarily from your own, and you've thought, yeah. hang on a minute, that that's not a great job at all? I have. But I've learned over the years and over my time to sometimes keep some stuff to myself because even though we're all trying to do something, when you first start off doing painting and decorating, you ain't going to be as good as you are until you get to your 100th house. But if someone's willing to speak about it in a comfortable environment, which is not putting them down and maybe saying to them, like, look, do you know what? I watched this guy on Instagram and he was really good. You should check him out. It might just be a pointer. We all are adult ages now in life yeah it's very hard for us to take advice from each other and it not come from a place of criticism because that's what the easiest place is to look for criticism instead of advise that person on something what is the right thing to do and maybe they might take that step you know maybe someone might watch that video or get on a short little course but they don't have to pay nothing for but it's to do something in their trade they might learn something yeah i mean that is a good shout really yeah, being led yeah. by being led by quality, I think, is really important. Uh, now, Jason, yeah. uh, we really we really appreciate being on the Club Following Show as ever. Uh, but I always ask you this question: Where are you today? I think I can guess where you are. And what are you up to? So we've got a chilled day today. I'm not teaching today, but I'm going out to some customers in about an hour on my lunch break. But it's going to be a really long lunch break. <laughs> So um, <laughs> I'm just going to see someone quickly on my lunch break in Hampstead. But I'm over in East London today, just um, <clears throat> taking in a slow day today. Good lad, you deserve it. We'll give you that one. Uh, Jason, always great Thank to talk you. to you, my friend. And uh, no yeah, doubt we'll well. talk again in the near future. Thank you, mate. Thanks. Fix Radio. Bish, bash, bosh. Well, listen to Clive Holland on Fix Radio. And uh, to- well, it's actually tomorrow. It's National Awkward Moments Day. Uh, so I'm asking you this. What's your most memorable moment while doing, or should I say most awkward memorable moment while doing your job? Have you ever walked in on a customer in a compromising position? Uh, now on the line, we've got a good friend of the show, uh, Danny Madden, uh, a.k.a. At Madden Builders. Uh, Danny, uh, I'm pretty confident. I'm pretty confident you're going to have one or two. Uh, how are you anyway, my friend? 
How you doing, Clive? I'm all good. Yeah, I've had it. I'll tell you what. I've I've had a few of these awkward moments over the years. <laughs> Go on then. Right, I'm, I'm going to kick one off, Clive. So I'm going into a house. It's a complete renovation. The like the lady's showing me round about what she wants done, everything else. And there's a double bed in the room upstairs, and she wants that taken out. She goes off. Labourer turns up late as usual. And I'm shining around, telling him what to do. Next thing, as I show in the bed, he's jumped on the bed and he's, um, let's say, he's performing a certain act, laughing his head off on the bed. Right. The bedroom has an ensuite adjacent to it. The client is still there. I'm <sighs> saying to the labourer, Alan, Alan, stop it. Alan, pack it in. That's enough. He's kidding, he's laughing, going, no, but look, 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 look. Imagine, imagine. She's standing there and I'm saying, Alan, will you pack it in? <sighs> so he turns out. He's the client looking. <laughs> now, now, luckily, she just took it uh, uh, as a bit of fun. She said, well, boys will be boys. Oh, and walked my out. But goodness. I was just like, this is so awkward. Um, I've had a, when I first started out with my dad, the foreman told me that the lady had left the cake out for me. And uh, when we have tea, we can help ourselves, which I did. <laughs> she didn't leave it out for me. She left it out for her friends that were coming around later on. That was awkward. <laughs> That's um, awkward. I, I've, I've had I've had clients arguing over fitting the kitchen, and you know when you you go around your friend's house and the parents have a go at your friend, and you're standing there like a like an awkward kid, not knowing what to do. They're arguing over the husband wants a beer fridge and the wife wants a wine cooler, and he's saying to me, "Order the beer fridge, right? Okay." She's saying, "Don't you dare order the beer fridge. You order the wine cooler," and I'm like, "Oh my word." It's one of them, but I've had I've had loads drive. I couldn't say it over right. the years. I had a scaffold up Parky's lorry over a woman's driveway next door, and I shouted up. I saw her coming down the road. I said, "Can you can you um <laughs> make sure you get that lorry moved?" He shouted back down. All right, lads, let's get the lorry moved because the moody old lady's going to be back next door in a bit. As she's walking down the road, she said, "Don't worry, the moody old lady's already oh, coming back." Man, that you've given us four. Mega awkward moments. Oh, I think I think you. for me, I've only <laughs> I've only got one where I couldn't get a a customer to get dressed. He wanted to walk around naked all the time. But that 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 is that that is amazing. There's four classics in what you've just oh, said. Mate. What? How brilliant you is think, that? You think my favourite is the cape. Back of the story. Oh, the cape. The cape. I said she just what. Oh, I just went down and assumed they were lovely. They all laid out on the side and they were by the tea. What he's done is he's put them by the tea stuff that we, that we left out to make the tea. And I just thought, lovely, lovely chocolate muffins. I, I dug right in. And I said to her when she walked in, thanks very much for the cakes. They were lovely. She just looked and said, what do you mean, the cake? I said, they were, they were really nice. Thank you very much. They weren't for you. Oh, man. I wouldn't know where to I have put myself. It. I'd have had to run off. And think, well, I would. I went down the road and bought some more muffins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, I'll tell you what, they are four classics. I wasn't expecting four. <laughs> I wasn't expecting four, but I'll tell you what, they were well worth it, that's for sure. <laughs> hey, Danny, before you go, I know you're a busy man. Uh, tell us where you are today, what you're up to. I'm in Barnet, Clive, and I am putting in spills. Good man, good man. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you get some more awkward moments along the way, so we can uh, reveal all same <laughs> oh, time sure. next year, uh, mate. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show again. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. 
You too, Clive. Top man. Cheers, mate. The Clive Holland Show on Fix Radio. On the line right now, we have Mr. Entertainment himself, brilliant friend of the show, Dan, a.k.a. Job and Knock Podcast. Dan, hello, my friend. How are you? All the devil you, Clive, and all the better hearing your beautiful voice. <laughs> you see, you say the sweetest things. Uh, well, uh, for this call, you see, for this call for him, just to have me as your co-host, you see. You that's it, know. that's it. Well, that's <laughs> it, who knows? Um, now then, uh, Dan, you must have had a couple of awkward moments on sites uh, somewhere oh. along the line. Uh, can you, oh, can oh, you spill oh. the beans on the ones that we can actually talk about? Yeah, I'll be very, I'll be very clean, obviously, mate. I, I do appreciate that some of them are, are really not for radio, never mind video. Um, <laughs> and I was having to go six. Obviously, your partner in crime will gives me a ring, and he, he kind of gives me a heads up and says, "Oh, quite interesting speaking about X, Y, Z topic." And normally, I have to have a little think and go, you know, did you stop being like that? Or was it really interesting enough to have a chat about? But then he said the awkward conversation when I was thinking, I've got a book, got <laughs> a book of like where I, I could have crawled in the ditch and died or worse you know I would say the two most memorable ones um, firstly I was I was quite young um, not, not apprentice stage but not long gone uh, you know where your, your boss kind of goes go on I'm going to let you go and do that job prove yourself kind of moment yeah um, and I'm in a nice house big double foyer you know multiple roomed home and, I, and I'm just finishing some work in the kitchen and the customer's like a to-do person. He's, he's actually someone you'd, you'd know, but I won't name drop him just because <laughs> the story. But he, he kind of was having a conversation with me, letting me know how important things are and how clean must be. And I was young and naive, so I'm just going, oh, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir. And he goes off, and I'm tidying up, and I'm finishing the job, and I'm just going in out the front door, taking my tools to the van, you know, and just tidying up. And he's... I thought it was his daughter, but it was his wife because she was considerably longer than him. So I was just talking to this lady like she was his daughter. Thought nothing of it and carried on. And she was like, oh, are you finished? I was oh, yes, I'm finished. And she just pushed the door to a little bit, you know, keep the draft out. I thought nothing of it. So I'm back in and out with my tools. I goes back in on the last trip to pick up the last toolbox. She's on the toilet with the door wide open. No! And you know when you, you know when you just, the door the door open, I haven't seen that door open. So I just walk past and just literally without two foot just look in. This woman, oh, you know, throws down. She was like quite a smart, handsome young lady. Grab <laughs> you know? and I've just gone, Oh no, oh I'm ever so sorry. I don't, I just, don't, just don't know what to do with yourself. Oh my god. You know, and you can't one see and she's trying to grab her pants and pull them up and she was a bit slippy. Oh and I'm walking off trying not laugh because I'm trying to be this professional young man. Well, I'm like dying inside, crying, <laughs> laughing. But, but one <laughs> yeah. of those images that's seared on your memory. Yeah, I'll never forget it. No, yeah, they call me wife and stuff, so I've, I've, I've memorized like that one. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Uh, listen, uh, it's always great having you on this show, um, but I need to know today, as ever, where you are, what you're up to. Oh, and there, uh, Clive, I'm in beautiful Staffordshire once more. I'm in um, a little village, I think village, quite a big village. It's called Cheadle. Yep. I'm just doing a little bit of remedial works on the kitchen today, mate. I know, I know Cheadle well. Uh, Dan, it's always great, as I say, having you on the show. Thank you so much for sparing the time. We really do appreciate you here at Fix Radio. Oh, um, no problem. Enjoy the rest of your day, my friend. You too, Sim. Let's hope no more awkward situations arise. <laughs> well, let's hope they do, because we want more for next year. Fix Radio. Bish, bash, bosh. 
On the line right now, another good friend of the show is James Norton, a.k.a. at James Norton. James, how are you, my friend? Clive, I'm very well. The sun's out, my trowel's spinning. Uh, it's a good day. <laughs> Love it. Love it, man. Uh, okay, so we're looking for awkward moments. Can you think of any? Awkward moments. Clive, there were, a, there were this one time last year. We were on a job in Barnsley for a man called Derek. Uh, must have been... I don't know. I'm not going to insult him by guessing how old he was, but he looked quite uh, quite old. And uh, it says all up on his job. He told us exactly what he wanted doing. We were there. We were just about to crack on. Knocked on the door and walked. He said, he said, just help yourself inside if we wanted uh, anything. So we went, we had to go inside for some water to put a mix on. <laughs> so <laughs> I opened, I opened the door, went inside with the bucket, and he had like a, a kitchen that was part of like the living room. So it was like an open plan. Kitchen down. It was sat. It was sat on the settee, leg cocked up on the coffee table in his wife fronts and nothing else, mate. <laughs> Just the briefs, wife fronts. They were they were blue and white, and that image seems. <laughs> that image is is definitely uh, Im imprinted upon your bonds now, isn't it? You're never going to shake that off. Yes. That was quite awkward. I came out, I didn't even fill the water up. The mixer had to wait for at least another like half an hour. I just love it. Love it. I just thought, mate, right, you can go in there and get the water. You go see Derek. And uh, yeah, from then, every time we clocked eyes with Derek, he was fully clothed. I'm uh, sure he was as embarrassed as me. Luckily, luckily. So, what else you got for us? Um, Not as. Not as funny or as uh, inappropriate, but there was this one time when um, there was a kid who were working for us and it was time for us to part ways. Um, and it was, it was one of them difficult conversations that are awkward enough as it is. Uh, and we were on the scaffold. I was telling him on the scaffolding, so we were having a real, real like deep conversation. I was trying to let him down lightly, uh, let him go and you know tell him that if he needed any help, I would be there to support him and uh, try find him somewhere else to work. It just wasn't working out where with, with him working for us at the, this moment in time. And then one of the other lads, who's like one of the main guys uh, at the company, he was he came around the scaffold acting a complete fool, saying, where's my best walling partner? Where's oh. my best player? Come on, you're going to come and lay some bricks for me while I'm in the middle of sacking him. No! Uh, they were grabbing me, saying, leave him alone, stop talking to him. I need him to come lay some bricks with me. So I just thought, mate, and I know I'm not allowed to swear on here, so I'll tell you in uh, in lesser words what I said to him, but I just said, mate, go away. <laughs> <It> was... <laughs> what a time. I mean, that was, a, that was an awkward moment, wasn't it? Yeah, that was awkward. That was just like where I just kind of wanted to fling myself straight off the top lift of the scaffold oh. and... Uh, it does. It does. It was like, um, yeah, we're really up there with one, a very, very awkward one. The guy mate. didn't take it very well. So, oh, mate, uh, I tell you what, that's just bad timing. Absolutely bad yeah. timing, or what? Uh, mate, yeah. we really appreciate you letting us in on those uh, on those awkward moments. Uh, where are you today? What are you up to? Today I'm in Leeds. I'm back in my home city. I recently moved out of Leeds, but I'm back here today to get a single-story extension up to Lintel Heights. Good lad. Listen, we really do appreciate your time and coming on the show as often as you do. 
Uh, where would we be without you, James? Uh, have a great rest of the day, my friend, and hopefully we'll chat again soon. Always a pleasure, Clive. Thank you very much, brother. Clive Holland on Fix Radio. Uh, again, another good friend of the show, friends of the show. Um, we've, we're talking to Steve, a.k.a. Steve and Alex Bricklaying. Steve, my friend, how are you? Good, thank you. Good lad. Now then, have you ever had one of those awkward moments that has been seared onto your brain that you just never forget? Um, couple, of, couple of uh, string to mind. Um, a recent one is a uh, extension we did in November, and um, working away on the brickwork. Customer comes out and said, uh, "That's not how I wanted it. I wanted the doors bigger. I wanted the windows bigger." So basically, we had to just stop, leave it for a few days while um, him and the other guys sorted out what they wanted, and then we had to go back and change the brickwork, which is what? never good. That's never <laughs> no way. I mean, the thing is this, right? So you got how far do you reckon you'd got with with the actual inner and outer leaves of the extension? Um, we were probably about twelve courses up on the outside, <sighs> um, but it's on the doorway, so the whole thing had to be toothed out. To reduce the to reduce the size of the pillar, make the door bigger. Yeah, yeah. And so, but, but the thing is, what, why 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 didn't anybody know this in the first place? What what did 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 you have like uh, uh, did anybody do any drawings or, or was it just sort of sketched? It was a bit of a sketch, and um, it was more of a misunderstanding between the lads who were doing the job we were doing the jobs for, and the customer. Uh, communication. Yes. Wow, yes. that is a mega awkward moment, though. Damn it, I don't know how you dealt with it. How did you deal with it in the end? Yeah, we just got on with it. Um, <laughs> did, did, did what we were told, changed it, just got on with it, really. Like I, like I say to Alex, it doesn't matter how bad the day gets. If you're halfway through a job and it all goes belly up, so you've still got to finish it. It's no use getting upset about it and sulking. you just got to get on with it and get it done. Steve, that's a great attitude, mate. That is a fantastic yeah. attitude. And obviously, that's what's <laughs> made you the success you are today. Uh, so you got one other one you said. Uh, the other one is um, I used to work with a, a guy called Eddie. Um, very loud, um, very sweary. Didn't matter where you were working. We're doing conservatives, so we're always in people's back gardens. And he's always effing and jeffing, and he's dead loud. And this particular day, we stood in the customer's kitchen uh, discussing the job. Customer made us all a brew. So we all stood there. Customer's there. Eddie's there. Uh, Mike, the plumber, and me. And we're talking away. Eddie gets his brew, and he threw it, on, threw it out the door and said, it's Oh! <laughs> It was the customer. No way. No, actually, <laughs> he knew the customer was in there, though. Yeah, they were talk- we were talking to the customer. Wow. That is as brazen as you like, isn't it? I mean, you could have at least yeah. slipped out. Because I remember yeah. when a customer made me uh, a bacon and egg sandwich, and then uh, they they pressed down on the bread with dirty hands, though their fingers oh. were all over the bread. I actually oh. tucked them into my work trousers either side, uh, <laughs> half and half. <laughs> Right, oh. rather than say, "Oh no, I can't bear to eat that," so yeah. all the egg and yeah. everything else was leaking out into oh, me into my trouser pockets. Honestly, <laughs> mate, uh, I would have never done that. Never. Oh, wow. So cringy. I'll tell you what, you'd have wanted the ground to open up there, wouldn't you? And, yeah. And that swallow was, that was Eddie all over. Man, I, I suppose we've all got an Eddie somewhere along the line. Oh, uh, oh, mate, yeah. listen, uh, we really always appreciate your time. Thank you so much for giving my it up God. for us at Fix Radio. Um, where are you today? What are you up to? Um, day off today. So um, Alex's girlfriend's come over from Sweden. So he's at home with his girlfriend and I'm just getting a few jobs sorted out. 
Nice. Well, well, brilliant. So, so uh, uh, Alex, uh, great to have your girlfriend back over from Sweden. Fantastic. Cheers, bye. Enjoy your day off. Enjoy your day off. You deserve it. Fix Radio, made for the trade. Thank so much for listening to my podcast. It means the world to me, you know. I hope you enjoyed it and picked up some excellent info from my brilliant guests and fellow colleagues of our industry. Remember, you can listen to me Monday through Thursday, 2 till 4pm on DAB in London and Manchester via the Fix Radio app and at fixradio.co.uk. Oh yeah, ask your smart speaker to play Fix Radio and come join the fun all day, every day. Well, that's it from me for now. If I don't see you through the week, I'll see you through the hole between Mr. Putin's ears. Ta-ra! The Clive Holland Show with Tradeify, the job management software to help get your business on track. Make a life, not just a living. Try the free 14-day trial. Download the Tradeify app today. Fix.